HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. If you're as anxious as I am to hit the road, you'll be glad to know that Lou Bank and Chava Pettibon are back with the virtual equivalent, their podcast, Agave Road Trip. Take us away, guys. Look, Chava, a check from La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. Wow, Lou, what are we going to do with that? We're going to strap ourselves in for another episode of Agave Road Trip brought to you by La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. This is Lou Bank. This is Chava Periban. And we are Agave Road Trip. Here we are for our, I don't know, 7th, 8th, ninth, whatever it is episode. Um, and we are here to talk to you today about what you do after you've distilled your agave spirit. Drink it. Yes, you absolutely <laughs> drink it. The question is, when do you drink it? And what do you do between the time that you've distilled it and you're drinking it? Well, I guess most of people are, like most of people that consume this, don't really have a choice. They get this bottled, right? They they are they don't have a choice in terms of like. Uh, if there's uh, always uh, a choice, Java. What? The world is full of choices. What we you, you you're suggesting that somehow this is being forced on us, like we live in a communist country. No, no, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is like you buy your bottle and somebody decided for you how that bottle is going to exist. But you've decided which bottle to get, and in this particular case, <laughs> the pertinent point is: Did you buy? a bottle of Hoven unaged mezcal, or did you buy an Añejo Reposado, something that was aged in wood? Or did you buy something that was aged in glass? Did you buy something that was aged in clay? The likelihood is you actually did buy something that was aged in plastic, given what we've seen <laughs> in, in Mexico, right? And this is the ultimate contentious theme. Which, it really, well, well, it's amongst the most contentious, yes. Yeah, because, and, 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 I, and I will guilt as charged, will be one of the greatest defendants of Hoven only. I do only, <laughs> I will only drink clear agave spirits. And I guess my logic behind it is like, it took so long for the agave to exist. It was like to, to go to maturity. It, like, it was such a hard process to make it. Right, and there's so much of this human expression in it. And it has like such a unique flavor profile. 
why would you try to add anything else to it? Yeah, you know, I actually, I thought it was blasphemy to age mezcal in wood. And then what happened? And then I had an epiphany, Chava. My, did, that happen, <laughs> did that happen in Durango, maybe? <laughs> uh, well, you know, Durango was a part of it, but it, it started before them. But for sure, in Durango, meeting um, more people who are making these spirits uh, that, and aging them uh, and hearing their stories about why they're aging them changed my view. So one of the guys that, uh, that changed my view is Mariano Vasquez. Mariano has a, uh, a mezcal brand that's not currently being uh, exported from Mexico. Uh, it's called Solo Dios. Only God. Only God. And he is in Llano Grande, Durango. And uh, hey, why don't we cut to the tape that we made with him in January of 2020. Great. My great-grandfather was a mezcalero in Nombre de Dios. The pictures we have from him, he transports the mezcal in barrels. He didn't meant to age it, but it was the only way to transport mezcal. So it probably went from an añejo, or not an añejo, but probably a reposado, or probably it worked as an añejo. I really don't know because he stopped doing mezcal. He stopped being a mezcal producer, and then it was gone. Okay, so... There you go. In essence, how I hear Mariano, um, uh, he's saying that it wasn't necessarily intentionally aged in wood, but it was aged in wood. And if you think about these processes now that you see where they're, they're aging rum on ships so that you get the rocking motion, which actually accelerates the aging, while he's saying it's only really reposado, it's only rested, you know, I'd contend when you're walking around on these mountains and you've got these barrels strapped to the side of a donkey, like, that's got to be crazier than a ship. And also, the weather in Durango, just the crazy differences yeah. of hot, super cold. When we were there, we're freezing. The room they gave us had no <laughs> added heat to we had, it. We had to spoon. There was a lot of spooning. And then when you woke up, I remember you saying, like, there's two types of water, cold and colder, <laughs> in case you want to take a shower. <laughs> So we suffered for our reposado mezcal. We did, but it was nice, though. You know, and I think to Mariana's point, we were talking that, about that when we were there. We're all trashed by then. It was our last day in Durango. You were trashed. I was in. I was tired. Okay. And fair. we were sitting in the sofa in front of a in, in a oh. beautiful <laughs> house in front of a grand uh, fireplace, marble fireplace. After eating gorditas, yeah. and God, that reposado felt amazing. Yeah, you know, I I used to be so just morally opposed to the the barrel aging, and and then I realized like a there actually is a tradition of it, right? B who the hell am I to tell somebody that what they are drinking is the wrong thing to drink? And even if it's not accurate, and I think that's the biggest complaint, what is accuracy in the mezcal world anyways? Right. Yeah, fair enough. Somebody told me the Tahonas uh, didn't actually come into being until like 1978. And distillation? Right. Yeah. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Oh, the, uh, that was the year two, I think. Right. Anyway. Okay. So I think that covers it for barrel aging. You got anything else you want to add to that? Nope. I'm happy with what we have. Beautiful. So let's move on to our next segment. Uh, what are we doing? We're doing, uh, oh, our other singular objective. We're going to talk tortillas. Talk tortillas. Probably the thing that I'm most interested in when it comes down to Mexican food. I yeah. think you can come to the best, I mean, it's a very, very normal mistake. 
you go to this super fancy restaurant, they have amazing food, everything's going great, and then the moment of truth comes. You open the tortilla <laughs> container, you hold that thing, and it doesn't weigh what it has to weigh. It, it doesn't, doesn't weigh what it has to yeah, weigh? Yeah, it has to be a heavy one. The torti each, each tortilla to needs to have some mass. Yes, it, ne it needs to tell you I am here and you are going to eat me. If you hold the tortilla and it doesn't have the proper weight, it, it doesn't feel right to me. That's, that's interesting. I've never even noticed the weight. You know, the, like for me, I would even say that I'm not great at tasting tortillas. I, I mean that. Like I, I recognize when I have a bad tortilla and I don't, I rarely notice it when I have a good tortilla. Okay, this is heresy. I understand uh, like, that. I, I don't know if we can be in the same room. But, <laughs> like, but, but what I do love about the tortillas is that you've got so many of these chefs now who are focusing on trying to preserve these, these artisanal strains of maize, of corn, right? That are, that are starting to go extinct because of all of these, uh, these uh, uh, Monsanto um, GMOs. And I think one of my favorite experiences while living in Oaxaca was that you could go to any little fondita and then you'll crack open the, the tortilla container and you'll have multiple colors of tortillas. Right, which you is know, all the like, different corns. Exactly. And yeah. it was just the natural way to do it because, you know, you had a lot of diversity. Yeah. Like, they like were Mexico at, itself. Yeah. Like, you know, families are not perfect. You'll have your brownish yeah. kid, your, <laughs> all that stuff. I kind of <laughs> think the brownish kid is perfect. I would like to think the same, there but, you uh, but you know, like you have a lot of diversity and flavors too and, and, and textures and it was an explosion of diversity there in your tortilla space and somehow that's not happened. That's not the most common thing these days. Huh. So we're going to put a link on our webpage to some places you can go in Mexico to experience some of these more traditionally made tortillas. And some of the newer stuff, as you're saying, like some of these new chefs that I think are doing some great things. And God bless them, because we need that. As we need them in the mezcal world, uh, we're about to drink, and Lou is already <laughs> I'm dropping, breaking the... I'm dropping the copitas. <laughs> He's way too excited. Yeah, I am. This is a funny copita that, uh, that my friend Rachel made. Oh, God, there is something in that. Uh, my friend Rachel made for me that looks like uh, the copita has a stand, so it looks like a tooth. Yes, and it looks marvelous. And I think we should go to our next segment now that we have a full, that, that we have a full cup. Amen. I'm going to get the big one. Um, so what we're drinking today is from La Luna Mezcal. And my friends at La Luna have a, uh, a nice cocktail expression that is uh, a cupriata out of Michoacan. Uh, and it's really nice. Um, and, and when I say a cocktail expression, what I mean is they've priced it at a, a point that it makes sense for bartenders to use it to make cocktails. Um, but it's remarkably good as a standalone spirit as well. But they've just released this line. And by just, like we're, we're now sitting here in February of 2020. Um, they've just released this line of single agave expressions out of Michoacan. And this is their tequilana. And and I love this. Why do I love this, Chava? You're laughing. You know why I love because this. Because every time I've talked to you, and you've been around someone that it's a tequila fan, and they ask you, hey, Lou, do you like tequila? You're answer in a in a kibokli is i don't care about tequila i don't care about tequila <laughs> i i've i've tasted one or two tequilas that i like and um i have tasted plenty of tequilas that i like I, and i get that that's fair but to me this this demonstrates all the reasons why i don't generally like tequila this is such a rich expression and and because they've processed the blue weber agave the tequila on agave um 
process it in the same way that they would process their traditional mezcal, or their artisanal mezcal, rather, at La Luna, um, I think you taste more. I think it's like, as any Mexican, I have profound traumas with the taste of tequila. I couldn't drink tequila. You profound traumas? Of course. I puked that thing. <laughs> Left to oh, right. Yeah, oh, like, come on. Yeah. And that's only because you're a Mexican. Man, if you'd met me in my 20s in New York. <laughs> well, correct. But you know what I mean. Like, I, I could not drink tequila from my, since I went 17 to probably 25. Yeah. Just because, like, all my 15th, 16th years, I, I, I drank way too much. And this one, it's, remarkably good because it doesn't have that traumatizing smell that tequila has, which I, I these days I appreciate. But, <laughs> in, in some cases. Yeah, yeah. But, but this thing is just wonderfully balanced and complex and exciting. And if somebody were to tell you that this has nothing to do with the world of tequila, you will definitely believe them. Right. There you go. So uh, I think we're going to wrap that for this issue as we drink our way out of this edition of Agave Road Trip. Road Trippers, if uh, if you want to try what we're tasting, go to La Luna Mezcal. I guess, just, you know, go to our website. We'll have a link to La Luna's page. But I'm sure you can find this in uh, California, New York, Chicago, Texas. All the major cities. All the major cities. And we don't care about any city that isn't major. <laughs> I think you can actually order this stuff as well from like Old Town Tequila. One of those mail order places. I don't live in the United States of America, Lou. I have Fair no enough. idea. Okay, uh, so we'll catch up with you all in our next episode, which is our wrap of season one. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Mine's bigger than yours. Hey. What you just heard was Agave Road Trip. And you can keep hearing Agave Road Trip for the first eight episodes on the Speakeasy. But what are they going to do after that, Chava? They'll have to come and hunt us down at agaveroadtrip.com or subscribe wherever they listen to their podcast for our magnificent upcoming season two. So I feel weird, Chava, because the episode that all of our road trippers just listened to was recorded well before we had La Luna Mezcal de Michoacan signed on as the sponsor for this podcast series. Uh, but there we are, right in the middle of it, praising one of their uh, beautiful mezcal expressions. So what do we do now for this ad after the episode? Well, Lou, I do think it's a no-brainer. I would love to talk about their Bruto expression, which is one of my personal favorites. And I still remember the first time I encountered it and has kept quite a special place in my heart since then. You know, you, you had a beautiful anecdote about Bruto that I want to hear in this commercial. Well, I was just confused about the name, right? Bruto means brute, like brute force. And I couldn't understand it until I tried it, and it was like the Hulk of the agave spirits, just walking into your mouth, uh, breaking everything, and being great and awesome. Okay, so if you are into angry mezcals, you'll want to check out the Bruto from La Luna at lalunamezcal.com. Many thanks to Lou Bank and Chava Pereban for bringing us this special presentation of Agave Road Trip on the Speakeasy. You can listen to all of Season 1 right now. Agave Road Trip is available on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. 
driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.